Hi everyone and welcome to another BHIA podcast episode. I'm Brie Marinia, Senior Workplace Relations Consultant and I'm here with Maddie Batchelor, Workplace Relations Consultant. Welcome Maddie. Hi Brie, hi everyone. Um, so today we're diving into the details of the new maintenance enterprise agreement, specifically focusing on an exploration of the scope slash coverage of the agreement and new entitlement to study leave. Let's start by understanding who the key players are according to subclause 4.1. Absolutely. So subclause 4.1 outlines the parties that are involved in this agreement and it includes the employers, the employees, and if they're named by the Fair Work Commission, certain unions. Um, so for this cohort of employees, that's the Australian Manufacturing Workers Union, the Construction, Forestry, Maritime, Mining and Energy Union, and the CEPU, which includes the Electrical Trades Union and Plumbing and Pipe Trades Employees Union, branches um, and they're the employees bargaining representatives. So this is consistent with the previous maintenance agreement. So these unions approach bargaining with a key objective to ensure the work of maintenance employees was recognised accordingly and they have provided opportunities to work to the full extent of their skills and qualifications. Yeah, that's right. So a range of changes were made to the agreement to ensure employers are aware of the scope of maintenance employees' roles and how they can be used to meet the needs of the health service. So the terms we discussed today uh, also play a key role in reducing the use of supplementary labour, uh, which we'll discuss in further detail in another podcast. So a key provision is at subclause 4.2, which explicitly states the maintenance work is covered by the agreement. So maintenance work is capitalised, so the agreement now provides a definition for maintenance work as follows. So maintenance work means work performed in the repair, refurbishment, reconditioning, relocation, maintenance, including preventative maintenance, installation, testing and fault finding of hospital equipment and facilities to ensure they are maintained in good working order. So it includes work performed by tradespersons in building trades, including carpentry and painting, plumbing trades and electrical and mechanical maintenance trades, including but not limited to welders, fitters, boilers, electricians, instrument trades, refrigeration and air conditioning trades, and associated trades assistants, boiler attendants and engine drivers. It does not include installation associated with major construction project or regular facility cleaning. So this definition was developed in consultation with ex-Fair Work Commissioner Julius Rowe, who conducted a review into the terms and conditions of maintenance workers. And this definition, in conjunction with the classification descriptors and other provisions of the agreement, ensures there's a shared understanding about the type of work that these employees can perform and the scope of their duties. Yeah, the second part of subclause 4.2 states that employers will not use the handy person classification to employ maintenance workers under the health and allied managers and admin agreements. This is a really important clarification. Yeah, that's right. So including this term is about ensuring that maintenance workers are appropriately classified according to the definition of maintenance work and they're com compensated under the terms of this specific enterprise agreement. And we'll go into a little bit more detail about this soon. Uh, but let's explore Clause 12, which discusses capital works initiatives. Yeah, so Clause 12 describes a mechanism for maintenance employees to perform capital works. This is not a new clause, but it has been amended slightly to align with the new definition of maintenance work. 
That's right. So the clause clarifies that capital works is distinct from maintenance work that's covered by the agreement. And it clarifies that it's not major construction work, but it is work that the employee is appropriately skilled and qualified to perform. So the clause outlines a way for employers to introduce a system which allows employees to express their availability for capital works beyond their regular hours. Interesting. So if an employee wants to take on additional capital works, how does that process unfold? So according to subclause 12.4, it involves creating a project list, distributing to the relevant trades and allowing interested employees to indicate their availability. The employer then coordinates this information, offering the opportunities to those with the required skills. If no employees express interest, supplementary labour may be utilised. So it's a structured approach and it seems the aim here is, um, as mentioned specifically in subclause 12.5, uh, to gradually reduce the use of supplementary labour. Yeah, so that is the main aim. The initiative is seen as a practical way to minimise reliance on supplementary labour by using the existing workforce who are often qualified and capable. This clause also provides an opportunity for maintenance employees to introduce variety to their work whilst earning some additional money at the same time. Now, let's discuss the new study leave provisions that are outlined in Clause 67 of the new maintenance agreement. Um, so this is a new entitlement for maintenance employees that was introduced to improve and encourage workforce skills development, um, increasing capability and improving mobility um, across the health sector. And this entitlement is modelled off the health and allied term, so it's not um, completely unfamiliar to the sector, but let's discuss how it operates. Yeah, absolutely, Brie. So let's start with the basics. According to subclause 67.1, full-time and part-time employers are now entitled to 104 hours of paid study leave per annum to support training and development that is appropriate to the nature and particular needs of the employer and recognise competency standards. So this means um, the purpose of study leave is to increase maintenance employees' skills where it's appropriate for that particular health service. And this might differ from employer to employer, depending on the size and the specialised skills required of the maintenance team. Um, it's also important to note that part-time employees will receive this benefit on a pro rata basis, mm -hmm. just ensuring fairness across the board. Now, the clause also emphasises the relevance of the study to the employee's role and the duties required to be performed. Employers, according to subclause 67.2a, won't withhold consent if the course of study, training or units of competency aligns with the inherent requirements of the employee's role. And flexibility is also key here. So paid study leave can be taken in mutually agreed upon increments, uh, for example, four hours per week, eight hours per fortnight or in blocks of 38 hours. And that's prescribed by subclause 67.2b. Um, this ensures the leave aligns with both the employees and the employer's needs. So there's no strict way um, that the leave can be taken. That's totally up to um, negotiation. Mm -hmm. And the clause also notes that study leave can be used for both online and in-person components of the approved study, including placement at another employer. And this is according to subclause 67.2c. Absolutely. And let's not forget that this leave doesn't carry over from year to year. Uh, when the application is made, the leave should be used in the same year. Yeah, that's right. So now applying for the study leave is straightforward. 
um, as detailed in subclause 67.3. Employers must submit a written application, including details about the type of study and its relevance to their employment. And employers must be com uh, committed to a timely response. So according to subclause 67.4a, they'll notify the employee within seven days of the application being made. And if operational difficulties arise due to there being multiple study leave requests, local agreements can be made about who takes a study leave and at what time. And that's outlined at subclause 67.4b. Now, here's something interesting in subclause 67.5. Temporary changes to an employee's contract for study or external employment opportunities. Yeah, Maddie. So this clause also um, comes from the Health and Allied Agreement, and it allows employees with at least 12 months of service to request temporary changes like unpaid leave, reduced working hours, or flexible use of their accrued leave uh, for study or career beneficial external opportunities. And importantly, employees can make such requests for one course of study or employment opportunities unless agreed otherwise, according to subclause 67.5c. It's a fair balance between career growth and operational needs. Absolutely. So the organisation recognises the importance of continuous learning and career development and is providing the tools for employees to achieve it. And if employees can take up opportunities to advance their skills, there might also be a gradual reduction in the use of supplementary labour as some of these skills gaps are filled. Well, that wraps up our exploration of the scope and coverage of the maintenance agreement. Thank you, Bree, for navigating through these clauses with us. My pleasure, Maddie, and thank you to our listeners for joining us. Until next time, goodbye. Bye. Bye.